welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. In this episode, we are joined by Deb Lemire, the VP of Human Resources at Datasite. With the pandemic approaching one year, Deb shares her story both personal and as a people leader. We discuss what the pandemic means for the future of work and how Datasite has been preparing. If you enjoy this podcast, please take 30 seconds, leave us a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Deb, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Really great to be here. Absolutely. Hey, as an easy way of getting started, can you tell everybody about your background and and what you're doing currently? Sure. Yeah. Um, I've been in HR for about 20 plus years. E aged me there, but no, and I've had a various, you know, I've had a great experience in HR all the way starting from being an HR service rep at Alina hospitals and clinics, and then jumping into high tech. And I've been in high tech for about 10 years now in various roles. And today, which is really culminated in being the head of HR for the global company data site, super excited to bring all that I've learned in these last few, in these last, well, 20 years to the table and really, you know, make this employee experience awesome. So excited to be there. Absolutely. So you've been in 20 years within yep. HR. Yep. A great way to start is tell, you know, tell us what you've seen change within HR. And you yeah. talk about bringing all that experience to data site. So I'm just curious to see how things have changed throughout your career and then how you're applying it in your role today. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been a really, I mean, it's been an interesting journey just to begin with. And that, you know, my first year of HR actually was in an internship and, you know, it's where that started. I was processing payroll by hand (laughs) and, you know, you're filling out the time cards and then you really learn that some people don't know how to add. (laughs) And, you know, so you're going through the time cards and all that, but I mean, the technology, that where we've come from in the last 20 years when it relates to human capital software and payroll and the fact that it's no longer a paper time card, that you know it's so much more empowered to both the employees and managers that what I've seen is it's taken that whole transactional HR and really started to eliminate that. And I think you know there was a big fear about when people were going to service centers and centralizing a lot of the transactional pieces, but now it's even more so because you've you've got technology there to help you, but it's helping us as HR professionals actually get into that strategic piece that we've always wanted to have to be that seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And you've got the technology that's there in the background, but you've got this opportunity to focus on employee experience and engagement. And that's, you know, I've really, you've seen this evolution in terms of how technology is truly taken a lot of those pieces out for us to really elevate ourselves and have that valid seat at the table. Absolutely. And we're about a year into roughly a pandemic now. Have you seen that technology usage increase within the organization that you're in because of the remote aspect of work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think at Datasite, we we were on Skype and about to make the transition to Teams. And I think it, it pushed that transition to Teams even faster when we all went to a global work from home as of March 18th. And Teams has been tremendous just in terms of, you know, allowing people to be able to work together to talk about things. You know, there's always been a challenge about how do you manage remote working teams? And I think Teams has been just fantastic for our organization to help bridge a lot of those gaps and bring people together. In fact, I mean, I 
our product organization was is an organization that's high performing, but they love to be together in their pods and their teams. And, you know, before COVID, they would have said, no, no, we've got to have everybody here. But now um, they're really realizing that the remote workforce is working and they're getting right. a lot more done and they're working together and they're synergi- synergized as teams. And I think that, you know, Teams has helped, Slack helps with that, just constant communication. And they're actually looking at how can we hire our best talent? And it doesn't matter where they sit anymore, yeah. which, which is an exciting prospect then too. Absolutely. And being the leader of, of HR within Datasite, what was it like going through the pandemic? It's something that I, I try to put myself in, in your shoes and everybody's experience is different. But for you personally, what was it like to go through that? You know, it's, it's probably the biggest challenge for me personally, when I think about it, it's the, been the biggest challenge of my entire HR career. And I've been through a lot of challenges in my career, but this one was you you had no idea. There's so much that uncertainty. And I mean, we've actually a data site have been dealing with it since January because we're, so we're a global organization mm-hmm. and we have, you know, so many of our employees are in Asia pack then too. And that's really where it all, it's, it all started in Asia pack and a concern for employees and what do we do and how do we ensure that, you know, we keep them safe and make sure that we keep productivity moving forward. But then it's just this challenge of uncertainty that's there you don't know much about what's happening with the disease and at the beginning of all this. And you want to make sure that you're not, I think so many people were uncertain. It was like, well, if we're the first company to shut down, do we actually create a panic? And then other companies, you know, and it was that point of, well, let's see what somebody else is going to do. <laughs> and then we'll go for, I mean, it was just, I remember talking to so many of my HR colleagues all over the place, just like, what are you doing? And it, I think it's a huge learning experience. I mean, if, I hope there's never another pandemic, but it's, I think there's a lot of things to learn from it in terms of how mm-hmm. you could do it differently in the future. But, you know, putting together all the PPE kits, we are starting to slowly open our offices. Most of our, uh, most of our Asia PAC offices are now open. Most of our EMEA offices are either open or at different capacity. And then we're slowly starting to come back in the United States as well. But again, we're constantly monitoring. I've learned so much. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a doctor, but after following a lot of it, (laughs) I feel like I could be. Mm -hmm. Like listening to the WHO, the CDC, the ECDC, like just you follow it every day to hear what's going on in these different countries. And it's just ever changing. You you have to be on your toes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You were a little bit ahead of everybody because of the nature of your business and you having people over in Asia Pack. What are they? What have you done in those countries since they opened up a little bit earlier? It sounds like. Is there things you can take from that to use here in the states and talk well, about what you guys are doing to open up safely? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we put a task force together in place right away, and it's called the Return to Work Task Force. And what we did originally was really looking at our preparation guides that, you know, the state of Minnesota actually had a really great template for office preparation. So we took that and then modified it and used it for a global perspective. And it really, we've got our prep plan that that goes across, and we had a whole cross-functional team that helped to to really create and communicate it for our employees in terms of, 
you know, making sure we've got social distancing. We put together PPE kits that we sent to all of our employees that included face masks. It's that we actually put in a lunch bag too, because when they were talking about contract and services and if places weren't open, we, so we, we utilized the lunch bag to put in their face mask, their sanitizer, even gloves for them to be able to, to have when, if and when they were starting to return to work. And, you know, we've, for each office opened then as well, we spend a lot of time ensuring that there's social distancing. And if we can't maintain that, then it's rotating schedules. And clearly it's easier to do in smaller offices. And so what we're starting to do is we open New York City, for example, we have a very small team that's in there, about seven people a day go into the office. They have to register through our Envoy app. But this next step that we're going to take is we're going to start, we're surveying all the employees in that office. So we know that some of them have wanted to come in. Others, we still have made sure all along, it's your choice to come into the office. But we're asking employees, what's what's it going to take for you to come in? Do you want to come in? What are the barriers? And here's how we can then keep showing that journey then too about here's what we're doing in the offices to make you safe. As we open some offices in Europe, we've shared pictures with other employees to say, see, here's what we're doing and here's the face masks and everything. I'm curious with that kind of pilot team, I can't remember what you call the Deb, I apologize. Oh, the return to work team. The return to work team. Thank you. Yep. yep. So with that return to work team, have they also started to talk about, you know, once we kind of are return able to return to some form of normalcy, what that might look like? And, you know, are the employees through maybe some of these sentiments that you're hearing stating that even when things do return to normal, I would like to stay remote if so, how's the company responding to those requests or sentiments? Yeah, yeah no, that's a great question because it, it's something that is coming up that, you know, as we're starting to return to work, many are like, well, I love this situation. I want to stay in it. And we are, we're keeping the stance right now that as long as the pandemic is here, you have the option to work from home. But we are starting to, at that senior level, talk about what do we want to do when it's quote unquote, I mean, it may never be over. But like, how do we want our future of work to be? And I think that's the pieces where we're having those conversations at that senior level to really talk about, well, what do we want to make sure is in that we have in the office? What what is something that's there? And then what's going to be right for our business then as well to get the job done? So there's still a lot more questions to be <laughs> asked and answered by the exec team. But I think, you know, we're realizing that work can be done virtually. And clearly that that puts an impact on what your office space is and everything. I mean, in, in our London office, we're close to capacity. And with a, a lot of the individuals wanting to stay at home, we're actually looking at, well, we might not need to find a new office space. In fact, we could either stay in the one we have or even downsize a little bit too. So I think, you know, it's, it's that strategic piece of what's going to be right for the, the company. Yeah, that's interesting. We've experienced the same thing as well. And, you know, there's a lot of employees that I think are like, this has worked out really well for me. I like the flexibility for work from working from home. Maybe there were people that had previously had some of that flexibility, or maybe they hadn't, and it's shed some light on how much they like it. And then I think you have that population of employees that's like, you know, I've actually realized that I don't feel as productive at home or I feel more connected to my team or to the organization when I'm able to physically see my peers and interact with them in person on a daily basis. And so I think it's all companies are going to have to find a way to sort of 
um, find a healthy balance between, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting the needs of the employees as well as keeping people safe, but also meeting the demands of our, our customers and business growth goals and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, no one planned for the pandemic and it's, I get a lot of people who I'm tired of my apartment and I'm like, I'm tired of my house. So <laughs> I think that, you know, that that's the piece too, where, you know, we may see this modified workforce that's, you know, not fully in the office every day, but it really becomes this rotating workforce of you're in the office, maybe three days a week and then two days at home, just because I think to your point, Jess, that, you know, there's this connectedness that people want to feel. And I think, you know, extra extroverts, <laughs> I think suffered a lot. <laughs> and I mean, I think I made a few referrals to the EAP. I'm like, well, I might need to call too. <laughs> you just want that human interaction. <laughs> right. It's interesting. We're going through this kind of massive experiment of does work from home? Is it better? Is it more productive? And it's somewhat of an accurate ex- uh, experiment, but also when we're at home right now, it also doesn't look the same, right? So as things start to open up, I think there'll be some different opinions because right now people like myself, where I love working from home, but I would love to get out of here every once in a while, <laughs> just <laughs> because everybody's at home. My, you know, my kid's only in school twice a week now. So I am curious how you guys are dealing with just the mental health of your employees through all of this. And if you've done anything differently, you know, based on surveying or just talking to people, like how are people doing in your company and then how are you making them better? Yeah. You know, early on then the pandemic, when everybody went home, uh, we did an employee engagement survey and, you know, I wanted to see how people were doing, what's going on at home. And you know, the engagement survey actually prompted a lot of employees to call me too. And I, I'm that leader who, hey, I'm going to make time for employees. I want to hear what you have to say because I, I can't fix what I don't know is broken. And I want to hear from you because we're talking about all these things at the senior leadership level. But is it something that employees are going to want or are they going to work for? And it was actually in my conversations with a lot of employees as well as the employee survey that we decided to put in first recharge days. There was a huge concern about, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna have enough vacation and just everybody's working from home and balancing things. And so what we did was globally, we gave our employees the equivalent of two extra working days. And it was truly that it didn't come out of vacation, sick, floating holidays, it was recharge days and you could use the time how you wanted to. You didn't have to use a whole day. You could use a half a day, you could use an hour. And it really was like, I need time for myself. Like, this is for me to walk away, be able to use it. And I mean, I'm happy to say that, you know, we over, let's see, I think it was two thirds of the hours that we gave were full, I mean, were used. So there were some that that did go unused, however, but when you had two thirds of the employee population globally, who fully utilized their hours, that's fantastic. And it was definitely needed. So the recharge days were fantastic. Did you see a difference between who used those days as far as like tenure? Did newer employees not take advantage of it or did more tenured employees? No, you know what? It was really all over the board. I mean, I would say that it was an equal amount, whether it was new, tenured, you know, millennial versus traditionalist versus baby boomer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
it just, they looked at their situations and, you know, as I talked to employees throughout, you know, it COVID impacted employees differently in every which way you were either becoming a stay at home mom that worked at home that had kids, you were teaching your kids, you've got, you know, your spouse is there too. There's just all these things where everybody's coming together and you Mm -hmm. wanted that kind of that time for yourself, or even if, you know, a lot of us too have been on calls constantly and Mm -hmm. it's just that whole piece to just walk away. And I think everybody, and we had such great feedback on it too. And it led to other things where we started doing wellness Wednesdays and giving tips and tricks in terms of like helping to balance, you know, your mental health. But what I've been seeing too, is the physical health is huge. That, I mean, even though I got my Fitbit on, if I'm looking down sometimes, you know, Zoom can absolutely keep you in. And I'm like, wait a minute, I only have 500 steps so far. It's three o'clock. <laughs> we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so Zoom, it, Zoom you know, fatigue is uh, exactly. it's becoming it's a real, real thing. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Yeah. And, and I had asked kind of who took it because some of the things that, that we've seen is newer employees are finding it hard to kind of fit into cultures during this time. And also people have found that they don't feel as connected to some of the leaders that they maybe are trying to get promotions from or advance their careers. So as far as career development goes, is there anything you guys have done differently or maybe it's something you've always done, but had to change your process a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it is. It's it's all about, it goes back to engagement in terms of, you know, how do you continue to engage that person from not only the moment that they've interviewed or actually clicked on the button to know what data site is, but all the way through their employee life cycle. And so, you know, we've had to really take a look at how we do some things differently from a career perspective. You know, I'm forcing a lot more conversations and not that they weren't being had, but more at the leadership level to start doing talent reviews. The product team just went through a talent review of their entire product organization. It took some time because we also didn't want to <laughs> sit on the phone for eight hours a day, but we did probably, I think it was six different sessions for two hours at a time and went through. And then we started talking about you know the employees and what we could do for them and started putting p- pieces into play as well. Like, who is a high potential, high impact employee who could be at high risk of leaving? And let's put some retention plans in place and retention, not being money per se, but more of what do they want to do? Where do they want to go next? And in those conversations that they've been having with their employees on the product team now, one of them is actually getting promoted into a manager position because he's he said, you know, I love being here, but I'm looking to be more of a people leader. And he's shown demonstrated leadership skills. And that's what we talked about in the talent review. And we had an opening that just happened to come up and we've moved him into that. So I think, you know, we're having a lot more conversations about people. I like that. I think we took for granted a lot of the time then too, one-on-ones, because you could have them in person. But now you really are, what we've been sharing with our managers is that, you know, make the time for your employees and even make that time where if it's a 15 minute standup each week, that it's not about work, that it's, you know, your virtual water cooler, something where you're gossiping, you're talking about whatever, what happened? I mean, now that the bachelorette's back, I mean, how are you going to have all these workplace discussions? (laughs) So it's, you know, making sure you have a lot of those standups and it's that communication is so, so key right Mm -hmm. now. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. And we're on Zoom or Teams or whatever, maybe all the time. And so you do miss out on just that personal conversation because it's almost like the last thing I want to do is jump back on Zoom to have a conversation, you know, because right. you're on it all day. So right. has your role changed throughout the pandemic from what it was before? I mean, you lead the organization, but is there anything that you're doing differently or maybe that you've learned that you, you want to share? You know, I think what I've probably done differently is I just, I mean, I'm used to being on site and I would spend time in New York and London. And so the travel piece is so hard <laughs> to not be face to face, but I think, you know, it, maybe it's not differently. It's just, you know, modifying the fact that I'm not able to see the employees in person, go to their home country. It's just that, that availability aspect of things that, yeah. you know, making sure that I've got still time for employees. And during the middle of this, you know, we also had a lot of the, the social injustice pieces and, you know, we, we launched a diversity council in the middle of this. And a lot of it in the leading up to it, we launched the diversity council end of August, beginning of September. But from June through August, I was spending a lot of time with employees globally on the phone, talking a lot about the issues that are out there and then helping to create what what really our diversity and inclusion strategy would be, or I should say inclusion and diversity strategy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing, and what we came to conclusion on is having this diversity council where a lot of the affirmative, like like the employee groups, can come and and be a part of it then too. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I was asking because so many things had happened in such a short period of time. And so I was, I was curious, you know, whether it comes to, I need to get better at delegating or, you know, focus more over here. It just seemed like so many things happened at once. And and you talked to so many different HR folks that that was a lot because they were used to being specific in certain areas and all of a sudden all these things hit and they had to go find people to rely on that could carry these things out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you really look to see, it does make you examine who your team members are, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, you know, you got to come together. I mean, any crisis, you start to see true leadership abilities through those times. And like, I would say, like, I am so thankful to work for our CEO, Rusty Wiley. He is incredible in terms of just, he's been so supportive throughout all of the covid the social injustice pieces, like at any time I've come to him with the recommendations of like the recharge day, what the recommendation was to build this diversity council and have the employee resource groups underneath it. He, he's been there and been part of the solution. And I love that because, you know, as an HR professional, you want to make sure that when you're going to start to bring things down, you've got that senior leadership support. And when it comes from the CEO, it's even better. And he's he's phenomenal to be able to help take us through these times and to partner with him on a lot of these things and get his support is awesome. Mm-hmm. Great to have that support. Not everybody gets that from their executive team and it certainly allows you to make better decisions and quicker decisions as well. As far as talent goes within mm-hmm. the, the, the pandemic, there are a lot of people that are on the market that maybe wouldn't be normally have you guys shifted your talent strategy at all as far as who you guys go and get and talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question too. I think, you know, we've always been talking about the war for talent 
And up until the pandemic, I would say that actually the talent won. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really pushed employers to think differently in terms of how you attract and recruit and retain your employees. And so, you know, in this time, I think, you know, the piece there is just this constant communication piece is to be really transparent still. I mean, I don't think it changes too much in terms of, you know, how you attract candidates, because I mean, we're already doing a lot of online interviewing and the candidate experience there. And I've worked really hard to ensure that our candidate experience is an amazing one. And I think, you know, it's taking that through the entire employee life cycle to ensure that you're still engaging them. And I think the biggest thing is that we're just about to launch um, a global recognition platform called Bonusly. And Bonusly will allow employees to recognize one another, have them values-based. In addition to that, managers will be able to give points. Employees are going to be able to save those points. And the best part about it being a global platform is that within those different countries, they're able to reimburse for the, you know, get, get a gift card in the area, in the country that they're in. I'm excited about it. The leadership team, the management team, as we keep talking more about it, it's going to bring people together because you know, I, I, I would always say that, you know, nine out of 10 employees, they don't leave their company, they're leaving their manager. And, you know, our biggest thing right now, and I think whether it's your virtual or whether you're in person, it is making sure that we're equipping our managers with all that, you know, kind of manager 101 information. And it starts with recognition. Even just saying thank you is huge. And I think that's what we when I think about as we go through these next steps and we continue to look at how do we retain our talent, I think we still use and employ the same things and triggers that we have. Some of it may be virtual, but again, it's this manager is so key to the success of that employee that, you know, that's what we got to make sure that our managers have full equipment in their toolboxes to be able to support their employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot. People leave managers, not companies. But at the same time, it's a company's responsibility to train those managers. So ultimately, you know, they're they're leaving the company. Jess, did you have a question? I did. Yeah, thanks. I was just curious about, you know, a lot of companies are still not hiring right now just because there's still some uncertainty, unfortunately, or companies have furloughed or unfortunately had to do layoffs. And there's obviously restrictions, you know, depending on how many people you've laid off or have been impacted in your organization. So I'm curious how you and, you know, your HR team have worked with your leaders to focus on career development and, you know, personal development plans and things of that nature when employees might feel right now, like, well, there's no opportunities available, or I'm not sure when that next opportunity is going to be available because of the season of life that we're in right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've been incredibly fortunate as an organization that we haven't had to furlough or lay off. Incredibly fortunate for that. While I look at my colleagues around me and they've been having to work through a lot of those pieces. But I think, you know, what we've been doing and we froze a lot of our positions, but what we've also looked at internally then too, is that who is that top talent and who do we want to make sure that we're taking care of? And if for some reason we can't fill one of those frozen positions for the moment, how do we take some of those and use it as an opportunity for employees to gain a a deeper skill set? 
that if someone's coming forward and it's we're having those conversations about their career and what's next, we look at some of those open positions that were put on hold and start to look at what was the work that they were doing? Could we parse some of that out and be able to give it as an opportunity for someone who maybe it's leadership skills that they're looking for. Maybe it's some project management work or whatever business issue that we need to work on. And so that's where we've taken some of that opportunity of, okay, they may be frozen, but we can still get the work done and we can give opportunity to people to help them increase their skills and abilities then too. It reminds me a lot. We did a podcast with Jason Averbuck from LeapGen and he, oh, yeah. was talking, he was talking about, do you have the talent or what was it? Do you buy it? Do you have it? Do you train for it? So I'm curious, in this situation, what you just mentioned, it was like, do we actually maybe have the talent mm-hmm. within the organization that can fill these positions? Does that change your mindset a little bit of maybe future hiring when, and maybe you're already doing that, but does it, it does it cause you to kind of pause and say, hey, before we go out and open these positions, let's see if we have people internally that may want to make a move. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really... So when I came into DataSight, um, I would say it was building an HR team from scratch and putting a lot of processes and, and practices into place. And we're still in that, that whole building phase of, of the HR team. And we put a lot of pieces in there. And I think that's where you know we're getting into this next step of talent review, succession planning. I'm one who's always been of the mindset, we need to identify what our pivotal and critical positions are in the organization. And we need to build succession plans, not just for a C-level, but we've got to look at what's important. Like, for example, I mean, in the work that I've done in the past, and even now when I think about it, a salesperson, like a sales executive, that individual is more important necessarily than a sales manager, where a sales manager is there to help divide territory and monitor everything. But you might want to set an organization that individual salesperson, they're the ones who are going out there seeking the new business that's necessary. So what's more critical in the organization? And so, and it's the same with development teams. Like if there is a, a developer who is pivotal to the success of the organization, we really need to understand then too, do we have that talent internally? And I want to always be able to turn internally first before going external. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have to admit that we might have to go external if that person isn't there then too. And I will say, hello, salespeople, you're all important to me, <laughs> whether you're a manager or not. But I think, you know, I think what it is, it really comes down to who's critical to the success and the business continuing to move along. And that's what the next steps that we're put will be putting into place here at DataSite is is looking internally first, doing a lot more internal recruitment, but then focusing too that you know what this role will always have to go external for, and that's you know that's something that we need to talk about and accept from that point. Mm-hmm. Then was that your first time kind of building an HR team and and processes? I would say in my well, actually, in my previous organization which was Ceridian, they had gone through a huge organizational transformation. And I'll I'll be honest, what really interested me about the whole data site story of where they've been at is they've been in this state of transformation, which reminded me of that experience that I had Mm -hmm. at Ceridian and was like, we can take so much of a lot of my experience I can bring forward and make it make it my own, make it my team's own and, you know, make it data sites. So it's, 
that whole rebuilding and putting those processes into place and just changing the whole employee experience, I'd love to be able to do. Yeah. And, and the reason I asked is we always like to give our listeners something that they can you know, take away and, and apply right away. And mm-hmm. sometimes that comes from you know, the heels of your mistakes, quite honestly, mm-hmm. and what they, you know, what they can learn from that. So that's why I'd asked, is there anything that you would recommend or advice you would give to somebody when, because I hear this quite a bit where they walk in, they're like, the company had no processes in place, you know, barely had an HR team. It, it is more common than I think people would think. Mm-hmm. So people are finding themselves having to do that without having past experience. What would you recommend or what advice would you give to somebody that's doing that? Well, Get ready to be agile, <laughs> to pivot and patience. And you know what? It, and it takes time. You know, I would love a playbook. Like at some point I'm like, you know, there. if people are walking in and you're having to kind of rebuild HR teams, I need a playbook out there. What have other people done? So I don't know if that's a support group that we need or what, but I think, you know, it's the patience, it's being agile, it's listening, you know, even if you walk in and you say, oh, there's really no process and procedure here, there's something that's been going on. So look and listen and, you know, I'll learn what you can in kind of those first 90 days to really see what's, what has been happening and how you can make things, you know, what, what's mm-hmm. your next steps in, in, in improvement to it. Yep. Great, great advice. And, and we've heard that before from um, some other people that were in your same position and, and, you said it exactly the same. Like the first thing, stop, listen, look around. Don't come to any conclusions until you understand what's really going on. For somebody who, if somebody was looking at data site as a place to work, what what would you tell them about your culture and what you guys have built there? Why would somebody want to work there? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, we have been through so much and I would say, you know, even during the pandemic, we actually launched our new brand. <laughs> which included a new value set, a new name and everything. So, you know, nothing like going home and saying, hey, welcome to data site. But, you know, here's what I love. And what we've done and our new values that we've put together is is really, and again, our values are based on talking to employees and hearing from them about what they, you know, how would they describe data site? And, you know, I love our values in terms of the first one is you. It's all about you. Our customers are important too. It's all about you, our customer, but first and foremost, it's all about you, our employee. How can we remove barriers for you to be successful? Giving you those career opportunities, helping you build your skills and abilities. And we want people to be curious, to ask questions, to, you know, it's the the nature of a of a of a development person who truly in R&D, they're they're curious about how can I get that to work? Um, half the time, if you throw something out there, you can start to see the inner workings in their mind about how would I code that? So it's, you know, being curious, but then also being fearless, which is our third value. And then we want people to be real as well, that we're going to tell it like it is. We want, you know, be accountable for your actions. And then, you know, it's it's just that realness. And when I walked into the organization and I would say this, and you can see it in the culture that people are real with you. And being real makes, you know, helps to support that curious and that fearlessness. But at the end of the day, we're also super fun. So how do we continue to have a lot of fun? And so, you know, building those five values 
it's exactly how I would describe the culture that it's about you. Mm-hmm. You've got an opportunity to really build what your career is, ask questions, be a part of different things, but have a lot of fun with people who like to have a lot of fun. We work hard and we play hard. And I think, you know, that's where it really comes down to, you know, just ensuring that it's an exciting time to be a part of this organization. We're really making strides within the entire MA life cycle. And we have a lot of new products that are coming out. So it's just, it's such an exciting time to be to be at data site. Yeah. Great place to be when everything's going on, right? To have a lot of changes going on and and be to your point, be fortunate to be in an industry that is still doing well. And I love what you said. You kind of have those five things. And and were those different prior to the the rebrand or have those values remained consistent? No, I, these are definitely different. And in fact, you know, I think it's really builds our, brings our company together that, you know, prior to data site, they were the Merrill corporation and they had a number of divestitures that happened within that. And they had a great value set. Absolutely. Um, but they're a different company. I mean, it's a high tech firm versus a financial print financial services firm, which, you know, it's wonderful, but again, you're, it's a whole different space that you start to, the customers may look the same in some aspects, but the tech set, a lot of it is so different and you're, you're playing in a different space. And so, you know, I think it just brings that unity across the globe for all of us to have something to kind of have something to march to, to believe in. And that, you know, Merrill was wonderful. Merrill was great, but the future is data site. I love how you said that where it's both great companies, but they do different things and that's okay. Your culture does not have to be the same as somebody else if they're in a different world than you. And I think some people try to model what they do off of certain industries or certain well-known names out there. And it doesn't have to necessarily be that way. It's cool that you guys, you guys figured that out. How can people get a hold of you, Deb? You know, if they, if they want to chat more or if they want to talk about data site. Yeah, sure. You can always reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn. Love to get to meet people. You can always reach out to me at Datasite. It's just deb.lemire at datasite.com. Would love to just at least hear from people. And I love to talk about this stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, back to the point earlier about we all, you know, there's a lot of different people who have come into the situation where they're rebuilding HR departments. I'm of the mindset we should never have to rebuild something from scratch. We can take it and make it our own, but I'm always of the mindset too that, you know, let's get together and talk about other ways to, to come together and help each other um, mm. through a lot of this then as well. We need that playbook. Yeah. That's what we, we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> well, Deb, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and I love hearing about what you guys are doing over there. Keep up the great work and we'll look forward to hopefully chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, you guys. Great today. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. 
That's podcast at tcshrm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.